Hello and welcome um, to the first episode of my podcast. Um, this is Coaches Chatters. Um, on this podcast, we'll basically be speaking to players, coaches, and people with a professional background or semi-professional background in sport. Um, just looking at um, their journeys as a as a sporting athlete, uh, but more importantly, looking at the coach's role and the development in that. Um, and we've got some great guests coming along soon. Um, I'm looking forward to be posting them shortly. Um, but firstly, we're just going to be looking at, at my role um, and basically what I've been through. Um, so let's crack on. So firstly, uh, looking at my sporting journey, um, you know, I've, I've not really had that professional, semi-professional, um, you know, level. Uh, I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm an alright player, but um, never got to that stage. Um, I've, I've, you know, I played when I was a, when I was a youngin. Um, you know, I think it was like three years old. I went to I played on neck um, session. Um, basically, at that age, you're just running around, keep following the ball, aren't you? Um, Dad taking me there, and then it was when I was four when I joined my first team. Uh, it was Perrinham Town, uh, the local side near me, and you know I still speak to a lot of the boys um, from that, and you know my dad still speaks to all his mates from there, and it, I think that's great to see. Um, I think that's what sport is for, you know, meeting loads of new people, especially at an age of four years old where, you know, your sort of social bubble is consistent of, you know, who your parents know, because um, you've not really started school yet. Um, and then from there, you know, I played for them for a long time um, and then decided when they put me in a position where I was sort of like a sweeper role, I was kind of felt irrelevant. Uh, we moved to 11 aside and this new manager was like, you know, I'm not really too fond of you, so we'll put you in a sweet position. And I was playing more of like a central midfield role. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm off. So uh, I went to a team called Hull United, um, which is a couple of villages down down the way. Uh, started playing for them. I uh, played for them at left back at the start. Moved to striker, um, midfield, everywhere for that. Um, and for that team, we were quite successful. Came second in the league a lot of times. Um, couldn't quite get first. There was always a team... Whether it was like it was Cadley and Ribbleson, I think it was um, the two two teams that used to always pit us, um, literally by a point, at some aspect. So it was it was quite annoying. Um, but yeah, played for them, um, and then when it got towards sixth form level, that's when I moved on. Um, a lot of the players for Hull United when we reached sixteen were like, oh, yeah, I don't want to play anymore. Um, you know, progress to different teams. And the, the team folded, so I had to find a new club, which turned out to be Tarleton. Um, and that's really where, um, not that football isn't as enjoyable anymore, but it, it kind of felt different. Um, I didn't like playing it as much. You know, that was centre midfield road, really loving it, really playing a good game, but it just weren't the same. Um, you know, I was, a, I was a key part of the team and doing well, but we just weren't very successful. We were in a, we're in a league that was... I was doing very well, um, you know. So we were scraping past games, trying to get wins. Um, and I think coming from a team where they were quite successful in Hull United, where we were coming second every year, you know, high up in the, in the cup finals and stuff like that, to go to a team where you know you're not playing the best, the team's not the greatest, and you know you are losing a lot of games, it does knock your self confidence. So it is, it is tough. Um, during then, I was captain my sixth form team as well, which was, which is great. Um, for two years, I was I was doing that. And then coming up to, to now, um, you know, I played for second team in of uni and then stopped doing that after half the season. And then now, you know, obviously COVID's kicked in, but 
before I'm playing for an SU league with all my mates for my coaching course, um, which which was really good. I started enjoying it again, you know, a lot more social. Um, just just nice to have a kick around with the boys, really. Um, but yeah, obviously with COVID being in, I've not been able to do that anymore. Um, so that's my journey up till now, um, sporting-wise. However, I think as a coach, it's kind of only just started. Um, I started coaching um, briefly. Um, I think it was two years ago now, um, just towards the end of 2018, 2019. Uh, I can't remember which one, um, just helping out. And really that was through the influence of, of starting uni, you know, having to find that placement. I've never really thought about coaching before, and, but I actually really enjoyed it. And I think now my confidence in, in coaching has really progressed. Um, looking at setting up an 11 side team this year, it's sadly because of COVID, that's not going through. So looking to that next year, um, which will be really good for me. Um, you know, to take hold of an 11 side team, you know, it's only Sunday league, but it's just a great experience. You know, testing new things. So I think being a coach, one of the best things you can do is just having an idea in your head and just going, well, I'm going to do that next training session. And I think you know, now without having that practicality of, of having a team during COVID, it's been quite difficult to to sort of have that idea and test it out and you know, really get hands-on with coaching, whereas now it's, you know, on video calls and stuff like that, so it's hard to, you know, to to learn and to develop when you're sat behind the screen, not doing not doing much. Um, moving on to my, my successes, though, I mean, as a coach, I've not really got anywhere yet, but like I said previously, you know, I've been in um, cup finals and stuff, played at the local LFA, met um, the previous England boss's brother, uh, Acapello, I think his name was, something like that completely gone out of my head met his brother I remember rocking up thinking you know what I know who he is England's boss loving it and then turns out to be his brother it's like well why do I want to see him I've seen David Beckham's brother I'm not going to be bothered I don't even know if he has a brother um, and then I'm looking at um, the next question I've got written down here looking at the success um, about what, what drove me to be successful um, you know I've, I've always wanted to, to win and be the highest I could be I think socially I've always wanted to be in a team which where I know and sort of gel together. I think if I'm in a team and you know I don't feel right, I think that was one of the problems at uni when I was in the second team. It was you know, it was just a group of people pushed together and I just couldn't fit in. I couldn't I didn't feel at home. Whereas if you look at my SU team that I'm in now, you know, we're obviously we've been in the course game with each other for a year, but it's just so much more relaxed. It's it's just fun to be around. And, you know, everyone can sort of input in, whereas previously it'd be kind of like, like I'm, I'm the boss, I'm the captain, nobody says anything, this is my way of doing it. Um, so I think, uh, you know, taking that from a coaching perspective, it's, it's nice just to just to let other people's ideas flow. You know, when I'm doing my 11 society, I'll be doing it with, um, you know, with my mates and stuff like that. So, you know, being a coach, it's nice to obviously lay down the rules and say, you know, we're going to do this this evening. But sometimes you'll be like, so what, what do you want to do? You know, what are your ambitions for this training session you know all that game plan didn't work out what what do you think we can improve on and um i think a key thing of being a coach and being a player at a higher level is knowing that ability just to sort of have that mindset of you know I, i'm a really good player i'm a really good coach but you know we need somebody else there to buy that up we need you know if if that game plan's not going well then there's no point sticking to it we might as well try something else and see what other people's ideas are you know, I think that's a thing that you see in the Premier League a lot. You know, if you look at Klopp, for example, at Liverpool, you know they play the same still in the style of football, passing it around. And recently, um, you know Liverpool's form over Christmas and stuff hasn't been the best. Um, and in the last couple of minutes, when you see him passing around, you think, you know, why are they not switching it up? Why are they not doing this? 
And you think sometimes you want to stick to that same game plan, but at the same time you want to take like, you know, Fendo saying, oh, we need to get it up, we need to, you know, stop having our backs to go, we need to really push forward on the defenders. There's no point passing it around the back of the box. And, you know, you sort of have to have that wisdom to sort of listen to them and think, you know, well, we'll see how it goes. Um, so I think for me to drive forward is a social reason to sort of see what other people think and have ideas. But, you know, whose who's ambition in life isn't to be successful? You know, I think if you're thinking of your day-to-day life not to be successful, then you're not going to be able to push for that higher stuff. You know, you're not going to be able to go for that job you thought you might want to not want to go for. That wage you think you can't get. Oh, you know, Lily Allen over here has got 40 grand a year. Oh, I wish I could do that. If you don't have that ambition to sort of get that then you're not going to get it um, and looking at my next steps I think it's a case of maybe being a professional coach hopefully um, but it, it depends how that goes like I said I need to try and go out and win that I mean a PE teacher is always a thing that I would think I'd be really good at um, but I'd just love to take part in sport in the future um, in whatever capacity that is whatever job title that is I think you know I, I love sport and I love seeing how things work how like people train creating training sessions you know thinking of something new and I think you know if I can do that for the rest of my life and get paid decent money for it then you know I'll be happy and I'll take that so next looking at um, sort of like the the roles of a coach um, you know like I said previously I think a, a good coach is is to have that social element you know to bring a group of random people together you know, if you think about Premier League style, you know, you have people from, from England, from Spain, from America, from Switzerland, from Canada, from New Zealand, from, you know, all around the world. And you've got to bring all these people together and find the communication skills to sort of bring these these players, these, you know, top athletes together and play, you know, as one, you know. You, know, you hear that saying where you can't have a team of individuals because um, if so then they're just going to try and run the show themselves I mean imagine having a team where um, the guy's ego is that big he thinks he's the best player in the world even though he might not be trying to run the show when you've got you know 10 other players who think the exact same you know no one's going to have the ball and it's just not going to work and I think a great skill for a coach is to, to get all these people and get them to work together um, and I think that's really important the second you lose um, sort of that, that mindset of having a, a one team a one-team game, then you know it's gone. If you look at, uh, for example, at, at Chelsea um, with like Jose Mourinho, for example, it said in the media, you know, oh, he's, he's lost a dressing room, and it, it's true. The second, the second as a coach, your players like, well, I'm not playing for him. You know, you might as well walk out the door because if they're not playing for you, then you know some other players will be like, well, I'm not paying for him if you're doing it, and and you just lose the entire thing. And sometimes it's not always the coach's fault, but. A key task is to to have a team where you, you know you're together, and I think the the effect that this has on people is is massively. You know, you can you can have a player who's, you know, down in the down his luck, you know, not playing the best to to being one of the best players in the world just by a head coach who gives him that self confidence. Um, and I think it's so important when we think about you know football and rugby and all these major sports. Sometimes it's not just a player. Like the player's development that takes him to that next level. Sometimes it is the managers to give him that that boost, that you know that that extra ten minutes on the game, um, just to see what happens. Um, you know, you look at Alexander Arnold. You know, he's he's obviously playing for Liverpool now. But if if that if the manager or coach didn't say, you know what, we're going to play in that game, who knows what could happen of him? Um, obviously, he's always had good talent, but to be given the opportunity 
um, you know, to play, then he'd never be he'd never be anywhere. Um, and I feel like the the effect that a coach can have as well on players that aren't having the best game to give them that boost and sort of in the changing room, in the uh, training ground that one to one, it's so effective. Um, you know, obviously we talk about group cohesion and stuff like this, where you're working together. You know, you're working as one. Sometimes it's alright as a coach just to pull someone to the side and just work on them one by one or giving them some self-directed learning and just seeing how, how they get on with that and then coming back to them and be like, right, we've well, done that task. Well, this is how you improve on that. You know, you've done this well. These are some negatives. And you sometimes it's knowing your players and having an understanding of, you know, this player takes criticism well, I'm going to say this. That person doesn't take it as well, so I'm going to be a bit softer and try and give my point across this way. Um, and as a coach, it's so hard to sort of organise what you can or can't say to different players. You know, if you're in a massive changing room, you're losing 3 0 at half time, you can't, you know, shout at all of them and say, you know, they've all played rubbish because some of them won't take that well. Some of them will be like, right, well, come on then, let's have it. Like, let's, let's score some goals this second half. Or other ones will just be depleted and be like, well, you know, just shout at me. I'm not going to play for him. You know, I'm having a bad game. I might as well just leave it here. So as a coach, it is hard to get that balance of. Of speaking to a player with respect to getting boosted, and speaking to a player, you know, with sort of the tenacity to to get him to push on, you know, motivate him, um, and get that adrenaline back into the system. You know, when you're losing three nil, you kind of need someone to get off their arse and do something, but you can't be Miss Nice Nice, you know, stood around saying you know you're having a great game when you're losing three nil. So it is it is hard to have that balance. Um, and coming on to that, it's it's also talking about how you would. You would treat your players, you know, as a coach. You know, how would you want to be treated? You know, you see a lot of coaches which are which are family friendly, and you see a lot of them which are at the top um, of their game, where they're literally looking down on the players. You know, saying like, "I am the boss. You will listen to me. This is how you will play." And sometimes you create, you know, robots in your players by literally just saying, you know, if someone's on the wing, you pass it forward. You pass it left. You go forward. You know, you're just creating sort of like a program in, in a computer. Where sometimes you need that freedom of freedom of mind, freedom of um, of choice. Where you know it's giving them the option. You know, you're giving them sort of the plan and the tactics to run down the line and you know play a one-two and then cross it over to the right. Or you could say, uh, well, you know, if if the situation is is this, you can do this, this, and this. Giving them more variation of of opportunities. Um, and it's also how you know you bounce back from you know losing or half time you know losing three nil. It's sort of as a manager and as a coach knowing how to respond to that and to try and get the best the best thing out of the coach, the best players, and the the best the best play. I think for for a dream coach, it's it's knowing you know getting good social skills as I said before, having good tactics, but also having the sort of awareness knowing when to change stuff when not to change stuff um, and it's also having a look around at sort of outside of football you know it, it's so hard now with social media and stuff like that you know say if you lose a game harsh say if you're, you're Liverpool Everton you know you've lost you've lost 4-0 to Everton when you're a Liverpool fan uh, when you're a Liverpool player sorry and you know the fans are on your back you know you put on your Instagram story Oh, unlucky lads, you know, we, we, we played well and obviously it was unsuccessful, we'll get them next time. Some of your fans will be like, you know what, they've had a bad game, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next time. Other fans will be like, yeah, well, you were rubbish today, we're going to criticise you, we're going to be on your back, we're going to be sending you hate messages, we're going to be doing all this. 
and it really takes a toll on, on players and it's something that, that really needs to be looked at and as a coach it's sort of seeing them come into the training ground or, or seeing that on social media and going right, I'm just going to pull them to the side and just you know give them a little pep talk or or even stuff on social media where it, you know it's speculation in the news you know oh the, the coach isn't isn't really playing him it looks like he might go somewhere else there's a fallout going on where sometimes it just is fake news in the media trying to trying to cause something in the in the office and again you just pull your players to the side but it, it is how you respond to that and a dream coach would see that in the news or see that story coming up and just sort of block it off and say they can they can run wherever they want we're going to crack on with this you know you know we're both on good terms and then it's all good um and I think a really good coach as well is just seeing that mental side of it. The second they see you drop, which links to the social media, you know, if there's something in your life where it might be gambling, depression or or anything like that, as a good coach, it's notifying that and sort of seeing how they improve that. You know, if somebody is feeling down, then it, it would be a chance of, you know, I'm not going to pay you for the free games and just focus on yourself. You know, if they've got a gambling addiction, it'd be like, right, you know, we've, we've seen and heard that there's something going on there. Um, we're going to have someone look over your finances and, you know, help you out there and give you the support you need it's not pushing them away you know a coach isn't just there for on the pitch and a dream coach knows that it's not on just on the pitch responsibilities you don't rock up to the training ground coach mode on you know you don't go rock up to the game coach mode on it's that 24 hour thing of you're looking after these players trying to get the best out of them that's on and off the pitch and that's such a, a key thing to remember and when me i'm de- i'm designing my 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 dream coach uh, lastly, I just want to uh, touch on what makes uh, a poor coach. I think you know we talk so much about what makes a good coach, and you know everyone's perfect coach. But you got to look at the things you you know that you don't really like in a coach to find that that good coach. And I think the main thing for me, I remember when I was at um, Hull United. Obviously, it's just Sunday league, you know, sort of kids football. But I think my development as as a footballer kind of stopped and slowed down. Um, and I think that was just due to rocking up and just, oh yeah, heads and V's to start off with. Um, yeah, little passing drill, then a game for 45 minutes. You know, obviously as a kid, you think like, oh, you know, I'm rocking up to train every week, we're just playing a football match. Like, it's sick, like, I love it. But thinking back now as, as a coach myself, I'm thinking, you know, if, if that was me in my coach's shoes, I wouldn't be doing that. You know, I'd be cracking on, you know, trying to do different drills and stuff, trying to develop my players, you know. The four, you know, I was, I was with that team. Um, for when I was 14 all the way up to when I was 16 um, so you know two three years and there when that development stopped you know I would say if you're at 50% of your development you know I had an opportunity in them two years especially when you're grown as, as a kid from those sort of like pubic ages where you are advancing you know you're getting stronger you're getting bigger and then I could have gone from that 50% and a lot of them players could have gone for 50% to to 80 or 75 and really get a good development but really I've just stayed at 50 I've just chilled sort of there and not moved and that really is a is such poor coaching you know to on reflection you you players not to feel like they've developed I think as a coach you always want to keep developing and keep teaching stuff whether that's morals or tactics or, or different aspects of the game but you don't want your players just to chill in one space, space and looking back maybe that's why we always came second and not won anything you know because we didn't do anything but did matches and stuff so we would never have that development never have that sort of that pressure in a game situation we just you know rock up bit of fun play games but it depends on your sort of your sort of mindset you know like I said it's only Sunday league that's just a key mindset you know you rock up 
um, you know, after a night out, um, you know, when you're 18 playing adult football, I remember rocking up to a game after one of my mates put a te- um, half a bottle of te- tequila in my Lucasade, rocks up, you know, had a few to drink, probably had one of the best games of my season, to be fair. But um, but it's that mindset of, oh yeah, it's only Sunday league. But then other people in your team might be thinking, right, I want to win this, I've got someone watching me. Um, so if you get stuck at that development, it is so poor. I think another thing for a poor coach is, is sort of not having the understanding of your players. Obviously, it depends on your age group. Now, like I coach under under 12s now, and it's sort of understanding that they're getting to grips with the world now. You know, they're learning new words. Uh, you know, you know, do having more experiences. So if I, you know, a kid comes up to you, you know, 12 year old mouthing off, really, it's your job as a coach to say like, you can't say that. You know, just drawing a line. Um, you know, it's sort of like respect to referees. Look at rugby. You know, you mouth off to a rugby referee. You know, everyone's looking at you like, what are you doing? Doing in football, it looks normal. And it's sort of teaching, you know, your, fan, uh, not your fans, your, uh, your players the moral and sort of getting them to understand like you can't do certain stuff. You know, you can't do harsh challenges. You can't rock up miles late. You can't come up untidy. You can't. Um, you know, get get aggy with your own players, and it's sort of getting a respect for for them, and sort of teaching them the morals. I think so many coaches, especially Sunday league, are people's mums and dads, and in a way, it's not necessarily their fault. But you know, they've taken a, a role and a charge to sort of say, like, I'm going to be the coach, and it's not just their job to rock up with cones and the footballs, and you know, teach them certain stuff. I remember when I did swimming, I was swimming for Barracudas, um, a local club, and you know, I felt like myself as being a quite a good swimmer. Um, and when I chose the decision of whether I'd, I'd want to pursue football or swimming I chose football for the reason of my coach um, I'd be waking up really early I'd be going there after school and this lady was just shouting at me shouting at me, doing lamps, doing lamps, doing this, doing that you know, I'd be I'd be knackered I wouldn't be able to you know, sit, um, sit in the car without falling asleep I'd be that tired and I'd just get shouted at all the time I'm, like, I'm not waking up this early You know, I'm 12 years old I'm not doing this every single day to get showered at and I think as a as a coach it's your job to sort of motivate us yeah and get us to do and get us to be where we are and as long as she's trying to develop me as a, as a swimmer as a performer but at the same time you've got to have some rest and understand like that sort of sympathy and I think a poor coach doesn't have sympathy at all um, and it is, it is a real shame because there's so many coaches that do have potential and they just they're just not hitting that same mark like I say as a coach, we're always developing, we're always learning. And if you stay at that fifty percent, not taking what people say, and uh, always being, you know, overly criticising, uh, over pressuring, you know, just rocking up and doing a football game, you're not going to progress your players. You're not going to progress yourself. And I think as a coach, it's always about reflection and looking back and seeing, like, you know, I did that session six months ago. I'm going to do it again now and see if I can perform it better than I did the first time. And I think being a coach is all about growing. Um, so yeah. So that is my first podcast, a um, little introduction to me, um, me as a coach, me as a player, and sort of understanding what we're going to be talking about, um, understanding the development of it all. Obviously, we're going to have little guests in now and again, um, talking about different stuff, different questions, um, and it'd be nice to see your intake and see how you take it, to see what your thoughts are on your sporting journey and the role of a coach, and the influences that can take of whether you know a coach can make your player successful or it can hinder the performance you know can a coach hold you back like I was saying before about hitting that 50% and not getting higher 
you know, has, has a, a time in your life where you've ever, you know, been at a situation or a club or been with a coach where you felt like, you know, I'm going to crack on, I'm going to get great developing in with this guy or girl. And then you realise that they're just not that great and you're just stuck. Um, and, you know, you could have been somewhere else, you know, you could have been an elite runner if they had just knocked off a second off your time. But they were just messing around doing hurdles when you're not even a hurdleist or something like that, you know. Um, so, yeah, it'd be great to get you understanding. Um, but, that, yeah, episode one. Um, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in episode two. I'll see you then.